You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hello, hello. This is Lee Fuller. You're listening to Bible and Real Life Podcast. So today we're going to do something special for you. So I'm feeling a little under the weather, but I want to make sure that there was definitely a podcast put up and available for listening to this week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a throwback. I'm going to play a message that I delivered um, from Acts chapter three, uh, the message in the miracle, right? So uh, feel free to listen to the sermon, uh, listen to the presentation, enjoy the presentation, and I will be back with you next week when I'm feeling a little better, all right? So this is Lee Fuller, Bible in Real Life. If you haven't uh, liked or subscribed, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast because you don't want to miss an episode that we put out every week. Um, and today we're going to go into the archives and listen to a message that I preached a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple months ago, um, called The Message in the Miracle. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from his birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. The thing I like the way this chapter opens up, it opens up with a regular day. They are heading to the temple at the hour of prayer. You know, um, it is important that we have a... It is important that we have a daily practice of prayer, a daily practice where we set aside time to get with God, to get in his word, and to study. We see here they are headed to the temple. When we look in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit came in the ninth hour or the, the third hour, which was 9 o'clock in the morning, which was another hour of prayer. So they were praying in their house at the hour of prayer. The Holy Ghost showed up. They came to the temple at the hour of prayer, and we're going to see miracles. It is important that we are in position number one. Number two, it is essential that when we do show up for prayer, when we are reading our Bibles, when we are studying, there is an expectation that God is going to meet us in the house. Is there an expectation that God is going to meet us in the house tonight? If you're streaming online, there should be an expectation that God will meet us in the house. The Bible says they were going to the gate beautiful. Uh, so I'm going to pull up a map and kind of, I'm a visual learner. So I'm going to talk through this map a little bit so we can kind of see this temple. Now this temple, this temple is Herod's temple. We know that first there was a tabernacle, and then Solomon built the temple. That temple was destroyed in 586 by the Babylonians. And then another temple was created when they came back from exile, and that was Zerubbabel's temple. Well, Zerubbabel's temple didn't quite look as good as Solomon's temple. So when Herod became king, about 300 years later, he said, you know what? I'm going to be remembered for the construction that we do. So he rebuilt 
the temple. He gave Zerubbabel's temple a big upgrade, a massive upgrade, right? And it looked similar to something like this. So we're going to start at the holy place, and I'm going to kind of walk you through it. So the holy place is the large structure there. In the back of the holy place was the most holy place. In the most holy place, there was the Ark of the Covenant, and only the high priest could go into the most holy place. In front, and then there was a veil. In front of the veil was the holy place. The priest was allowed to uh, go into the holy place. So the high priest can go into most holy place once a year. The priest is able to go into the um, holy place. That's where, you know, about the, the lampstand and the showbread, etc. And then outside that door, that first court there was the Israelites' court or the men's court. So only a male could go into that first court, okay? Then you have, let's go back. Thank you. So the first one is, so when you come out of the temple, that first court is the male court. That's the Israelites' court. So only if you were an Israelite could you go into the first court. Then you see that there is the gate of Nikar, and then the women's courtyard. So women were, could only go into the women's courtyard. So we see that as the further away you get, there are barriers from uh, the presence of God. There were places where you had to stop. So the high priest could go all the way. Then the priest could only go a certain step. The men can only go a certain place. Then the women's court could only, so the farthest you could go were the women's court. And then at the very tip there, you see the gate beautiful. The gate beautiful is where the lame man was. The, late, the gate beautiful is essentially where um, many scholars believe that's the furthest a lame person could go. So we see these different gates that are barriers. So why is the gospel this message of the gospel so important because these barriers have existed throughout the whole time. Let's go to the next one. As we go further out, just to orientate you again, 11, which is at the middle there, that's the Golden Gate. Aside the Golden Gate, there's the Gentile courtyard. The Gentile courtyard is where if you are not a Jew, so the furthest we could go in here that are not Jews would have been to the Gentile courtyard, okay? Later in our passage, we're going to read about Solomon's portico, which is all the way out, and that's a covered area where the church used to meet, okay? So as we're looking at how Jesus is changing church history, as we look at how Jesus is creating or spreading the gospel and expanding the gospel, we see uh, there is a verse that God gives us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 25. It says, but now faith has come, and we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, 
there is no male nor female. You are all of one Christ. Meaning that when Jesus Christ came, there wasn't that barrier at the holy place. There wasn't that barrier in the courts. There wasn't that barrier just for men. There wasn't that barrier just for women. And us Gentiles could go all the way into the presence of God. So it bothers me when we know that now we can get into the presence of God and we don't take the time to have that prayer life. We don't take the time to get in his presence because it wasn't always afforded to us. We have, through Jesus Christ, free access all the way to the throne. And now this is the message that the church, this is the message that the apostles are now sharing with the people. This is why Acts is so important. Because now the whole world can see and have access to what was only confined at one point to the innermost part of the temple. So now as believers, when the Bible says we walk boldly to the throne of grace, because in the name of Jesus, the barriers have been broken down, and now I can go all the way into the holies of holies and have communion with God the Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I got excited about that myself. Whew. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Pray the Lord. So, uh, verse 3. Seeing Peter and John go into the temple, so this lame man, seeing Peter and John go into the temple, asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. So the lame man that's at the gate sees him coming, and <laughs> it looks like the rules, you know, it looks like kind of the rules are the same. Back then, everybody know the rules. The rules, when somebody's begging or at the gate, you don't look at them. <laughs> everybody know the rules. The rules is you, you know, you look at your public receipt, you, you talk to your kids, you look at the phone. You don't look at the beggar because if you look at the beggar and they get your attention, they're expecting something. The rules have not changed. So Peter says, Hey, <laughs> I know the rules. Y'all know the rules. Peter looks at him and says, look at me. He fixes his attention on them. See, the Bible says, and he fixes, Peter says, look at me. And he fixes his attention on them, expecting to receive something from him. He knows, hey, you're looking at me. Uh-oh. And Peter says, look at me. Then he says, I have no silver and gold. But what I have, I give to you. Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I have, I give to you. When we see people in need, give what you have. When you see somebody in need, give what you have. What do you mean? God will use what you have. I was having a conversation with one of my friends, and he said, the Lord is laying on my heart to give clothes to an individual. You know, and these were nice clothes, nice clothes. And he said, you know what? <clears throat> um, I'm going to give clothes because nice clothes is what he had. Um, some of us have time, right? 
if you got time, some of us are tired or whatever, job allows freedom, then give what you have. I remember when going through my season, I would call a person and they would spend time and they just would talk to me. And he gave what he had. Um, my grandma, so my grandma loved to cook. Oh, grandma loved to cook. And there was a, a short man, short man about this big. I don't know what you call him nowadays. Short man about this big. And he used to come and my grandma would make him a plate. My grandma would say, hey, shorty, wait right there. I'm going to go and I'm going to make you a plate. Because my grandma understood that I can give what I have. God expects us to give what we have. So Peter says, now, if you, if you have money, you know, give what you have. But Peter looks at the situation and he says, silver and gold have I not. But what I do have, I give to you. Each of us has Jesus. The thing you could always give, you can give Jesus. He has given him, uh, Peter said, I'm going to give you access to the power because G, uh, Peter now has the Holy Spirit. Peter says, in the name of Jesus in, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There is, I've heard this message preached all different type of ways. And what I want to do is I want to compare Peter to Jesus. In John chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, Jesus had an encounter with a lame man. The Bible says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Okay? So when Jesus, when Jesus encountered the lame man, Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Peter encounters a lame man. He says, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, take up your bed and walk. It's the same power. It's the same anointing. It's the same God. So that means we can say, in the name of Jesus, take up your bed and walk. The gospel of Acts, the book of Acts, is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. When we look at Matthew chapter 21, the Bible says Jesus healed the blind and the lame in the temple. Do you know what Peter and John are doing? They are doing what Jesus did. We are continuing the work of the ministry. Our call is not to create a new ministry. Our call is to continue the work of the ministry, realizing that the power and the authority is in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? Amen. Then the Bible says, and he took him by the hand, he took him by the hand and raised him up. So, <clears throat> sorry about that. He took him by the hand. So, 
So let's go to Acts chapter, back to, back to Acts. So we're in Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 3, verse 7. He says, and he took him by the hand and raised him up. And the Bible says, immediately his feet, immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. I like this because in the name of Jesus, uh, lift up, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then he grabs his hand and picks him up. Wait a minute. Now, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to grab a cripple and pick him up in front of everybody, right? So what we have here is we have faith and works. It's one thing to say, be healed. It's another thing to snatch a person up and they start walking. But here is what happened. Peter understood that the power of the name of Jesus is a mighty power. So he puts faith in action. Show me your action and I can see your faith. Sometimes we, we say it, but we don't do it. I love it. He preached and then he pulled. Come on, somebody. I might have to write that in there. <laughs> he preached and then he pulled him up. So he prayed, he grabbed. Now this is an interesting miracle. One thing I like about this miracle, um, the man wasn't asking for healing, he was asking for money. He wasn't asking for healing, he was asking for money. The Bible says sometimes we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So we see that God prompted Peter and through the Holy Spirit to not address his, his request, but to address his need. God hears our request, but many times he'll answer our need. We think it's a financial issue. It may be an integrity issue. It may be a character issue. It may be something inside that God is working through us and says, yes, you think you need a check, but you need a heart transplant. The Bible says that he asked for money. Peter didn't give him money. He changed his whole situation and made him whole. What we've got to realize is that God sees your situation and will give us not just what we want. He gives his children what we need. And we got to thank him for giving us what we need. The other thing I like, amen, the other thing I like is um, uh, this man wasn't like the woman at the issue of blood, right? This one was asking for healing. Um, so this man's faith wasn't even for healing. Where I'm going is sometimes the faith for the situation isn't in that person. The faith for the situation is in you. He was asking God for, he was asking for money. Peter saw a bigger need and the faith of Peter, Peter's the one said, be healed. So parents, keep praying for that child. Husbands, keep praying for that wife. 
wife, keep praying for that husband because sometimes it's not that faith. It is your faith that God is looking at, and he can do it. Isn't it? He's not praying for healing. And God says, I see Peter's faith because Peter said, get up. Amen. Amen. So keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Hallelujah. And Peter's faith, the man went from lame to leaping. See, God changed his situation. And everybody knows the correct response when God changes your situation. <laughs> the correct response is praising the Lord. The correct response is giving God the glory and praising the Lord. The Bible says this lame man, in one verse, now he's walking, leaping, and praising. That is the response for how. And then the Bible says, then he didn't go home. He didn't go home to see his friends. He didn't go home and say, look what happened to me. He went in the temple. I couldn't go in the temple before, and now that I'm healed, the first place, the first place I want to go is to give God glory, to get in the temple and glorify God, because that is the correct response to being touched by the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to bring out another point about this gate. This is a common entrance. This is one of the 10 entrance to the temple. We know that Jesus went to the temple before. Outside this eastern gate is the Mount of Olives in different places. So we see from scripture that Jesus has gone through this gate before. And it could be likely, because the Bible says they brought him there every day. It's likely that Jesus passed him before. The reason I bring this up is because some of us have been praying for something for a while. And it's like, Lord, I know you could do it. Lord, I've seen you heal other lame people. I've seen you help other marriages. I've seen you bring back other people's children. And I've been praying for my children for a long time. But what I want to tell you is, <clears throat> Every miracle has a time, a person, and a purpose. So Jesus passed by that beggar. Jesus passed by that cripple because the appointed time wasn't for Jesus to do it. The appointed time was for Paul, uh, Peter and John to do it. Meaning, as God is continuing his ministry on earth, there are some things that won't get healed by Pastor Jomo. There are some things that won't get healed by somebody that speaks on this stage. There is something God is waiting for you because God has appointed you to be that point of contact, you to be that person, and it's the same name of Jesus of Nazareth that gives us the power. So when God did it, we see here's the purpose. 
because Jesus had done things and raised them because there was a purpose. In this particular purpose, we start to see the purpose for John doing, um, Peter doing it. Verse 8, and he leaped up and he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for arms. It was like, is that Larry? Is that lame Larry? Yeah, that lame Larry. <laughs> Everybody know Larry? <laughs> so they saw Larry. I mean, Larry. They, they saw the lame man at the beautiful gate. They said, we know him. We know him. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. The purpose for it happening now the purpose for it happening in this appointed time was because there was a message after the miracle. And okay. Um, yep. Sorry. <clears throat> Verse 11. Wait, no, no, no. God had appointed a time of person. Okay. Because <clears throat> the same name and that same power is here today. I want to tell you this quick story. Don't have time. Quick story. I'll make it quick. I'll make it quick. Oh, man, this is a good story, but I might have to. Okay, I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to tell a story. Okay, so the same God, same God, appointed time. So we were talking about how it's, it's all through the name of Jesus. In Baghdad, there was a daughter that had been trying to get to the army. There was a, I'm sorry, there was a man that was trying to get his daughter to the army chaplain. Because of bombing, because the base was on lockdown, the chaplain could not get, to, they couldn't leave the base. Only QRF could leave the base, right? So the guys come and said, hey, can you come pray for my daughter? That says, I can't. We got to stay on the base. So the, while he's talking to the chaplain, he gets a phone call. And the phone call says, don't worry, tell the chaplain, thanks but no thanks, the daughter has already passed. The chaplain says, we serve a risen Jesus who was dead for three days and God rose him back up. Go back to your daughter and say, in the name of Jesus, wake up. He said, I'm not making any promises. But I know the power God has. The man goes, Muslim man, by the way, goes to the hospital, speaks over his daughter, prays for her in the name of Jesus, and the daughter woke up. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
when they saw the man, they were, they were filled with wonder and amazement. Verse 11. When he clung to Peter, all the people were utterly astounded. They ran together to them at the portico called Solomon's. When Peter saw it, he addressed the men of Israel. Why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at this? As though it was our own power or own piety we have made this work. So it was not Peter saying, hey, why are you looking at us? It wasn't our own power or our own godliness. And I think a lot of times what stops us is we feel like we're not good enough. We feel like the, the weight of the healing is on us. But Peter said, don't stare at us. We're doing what we saw Jesus doing, and we're doing it in the name of Jesus. And then when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, and why do you stare at us? So this miracle was for this conversation, and Peter has the conversation. The conversation starts, uh, verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though our power or piety we have made him walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And the name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man his perfect health in the presence of you all. So the man is healed, his praising attracts an audience, and now the message behind the miracle is this miracle was done by Jesus. And what Peter does is, remember, he's in the temple talking to the Jews. And he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so make sure he knows the audience he's talking to. He's saying the covenant God sent Jesus, and it was the suffering Jesus. Then um, he says, and Pilate was going to let him go. So <laughs> Peter doesn't pull any punches. Pilate was going to let him go, and you convinced him to kill him. Right? <laughs> you convinced him to do it because he wanted him to feel, listen, the Messiah that we had been praying for, the, desire, the Messiah that we'd been asking God for had come, and you killed him. And he says, it's, I love this, this text. It says, and you killed the author of life. It says, but the Lord gave him but the Lord raised him from the dead because you can't kill the author of life. 
Regardless, you can't kill the message of the author of life. You can't kill the body of the author of life. You can't kill the power of the author of life because the Bible says he is exalted and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is God. So though they try to kill the author, now in his name, things are still happening. So it didn't work. And now, verse 17, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance <laughs> and did also, as did also your rulers. But God had foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So let me break this down a little bit. They were expecting a different type of king, a different type of Messiah. They were expecting a king to come and destroy the Romans, right? Come in the blaze of glory and trample the enemies in the blood and, you know, trample the enemy. That's what they were expecting. However, he says, he says, oh, have you not been reading the scriptures? He says, the prophets warned you about this. Isaiah 53 Five, three through six says, and he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was not despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he, has but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So he's like, Jews, you know this verse. So when Jesus came as the suffering servant, how did you not recognize that this was the Messiah? You know, Peter was like, you killed him. You should have knew better. The prophet said that the suffering Messiah would come. So Peter gives him the answer. He says in verse 19, repent. The only response for you Jews was to repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, long ago. Peter says, here is the response to conviction. The response to conviction is to repent. That word repent is metanuo. Here's what it means. So meta is a preposition, right? After, against. And nuo means to think. So to repent, the word literally means to think again after. So you ever do something, and after you've done it, you think about that and say, you know what? 
I need to repent of that. I need to turn around. I need to change my behavior. I need to change my attitude. I need to change my thought about that. So Peter says, hey, when you did it, you thought, or whatever reason, you killed the Son of God. Think about that again differently and not change your behavior. He says, turn around. Change your behavior. Turn around. Because here is what happens when you repent. He says, your sins will be blotted out. He says, your refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. That is what happens when we repent. Peter goes on in verse 22. He says, the Lord will rise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers, and you shall listen to him whatsoever he tells you. So the Jews, again, he's talking to the Jews. He's letting them know that um, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, uh, Deuteronomy chapter eight, uh, 18, Jesus says, or Paul, in Deuteronomy, the Torah, so God said, <laughs> in Deuteronomy chapter 18, God said, just as you desire for the Lord your God of Horeb at the day of the assembly, when he said, let me not hear the voice of God. So what ended up happening they said, we want to hear God speak. God spoke from heaven, thundered the crowds, shook the mountain, and they say, wait a minute. We don't want to hear God speak. Let's have a prophet from God speak. <laughs> because when you ask God to speak and he thunders from the mountain and shakes the earth, you say, hold up, hold up. Let's have a prophet from one of our brethren speak. And Peter says, he teaches us that he says, Moses said that there would be a prophet from among the brethren that would speak. Jesus was that prophet. So he's breaking it down, saying, hey, Jews, <laughs> listen. You crucified the Savior. Jesus has come. He's making the point that Jesus is the Messiah because Jesus is trying to pull his kids back in. But he's going to tell the world, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So we're in Acts chapter 3, so we're still in Jerusalem. When we keep going, you'll see how he keeps going out. But Paul, uh, Peter is, is making it clear to you. Listen, Jews, God has come to you, and you rejected him. Verse 24, and he says, uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 24. And all the prophets who've spoken from Samuel, so he said, Moses told you? And all the prophets from Samuel and those who came after you proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham and to your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He's like, listen, Jews, the promise came to Abraham. You, Jews, are the sons of the prophets. The whole world will be blessed 
from Jesus who was born to a Jew. So he's saying, Jews, this is on you. Verse 26. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from their wickedness. This Acts chapter 3 is really part 1, and Acts chapter 4 will be the continuation next week. Peter sums up the gospel message in this passage. Peter tells them, Jesus is the Messiah, the promised Son of God. Jesus was killed for our iniquities. God raised Jesus from the dead, and now he has victory over death. And repent to have your sins blotted out. This is the message the apostles preached in Acts chapter 3. Are you blessed by the word today? As I was studying the passage, I, I love the miracle at the beginning. But then when I looked, I said, you know what? It's the message behind the miracle that the world needs to hear today. That we have a risen Savior that has all authority, all power, and he can blot out our sins. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ... As the Messiah, if you haven't acknowledged his death on the cross and that he was raised from the dead for our sins, then today is your opportunity. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible also says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let us not make the same mistake the Jews did in rejecting Jesus. For Jesus is the only name and is the power of God unto salvation. Hey, this is Lee. So hopefully you enjoyed um, the message today. And um, uh, hopefully you uh, saw the the message behind the miracles. God is doing something, and many times he uses miracles to get the attention and also to emphasize the fact that he is, in fact, God. So um, in real life, we can um, expect to see miracles, and we can also know that the message behind the miracle is identifying that Jesus is Lord and uh, God over the whole world. So thank you for tuning in. (coughs) Excuse me. Thank you for tuning in uh, to this week's episode, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, um, the Bible in Real Life podcast. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, as we're going through uh, some of the uh, daily uh, Bible um, uh, insights, daily reflections on on Scripture, and uh, just make sure you stay connected. Uh, and get into the Bible each and every day because the Bible has direct application to real life. And again, this is Lee Fuller, aka the Bible in Real Life Podcast, and I will talk to you next time. All right, bye-bye, buddy.